Hey there, chatters. I'm Nat. And I'm Kat. And welcome to the Crime Chat. I am your forensic femme fatale. Natalie is your true crime addict connoisseur. We're just two normal girls who, if we could collect our alcohol points by transferring our frequent flyer miles, we would be jet-setting around the world five times yes, while we, we obsess about dark crimes, evil minds, <laughs> and occasionally the unknown. And girl, my frequent flyer miles are hype. Yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your disclaimer, chatters. The following crime chat contains adult content and descriptions of very violent scenarios. Here's another precursor warning. Uh, it does involve the death of children. So if this is not something that you are okay to listen to, come back next week. For those who aren't staying tuned in, your listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. And before we get into today's crime chat, Kat, what have you done? Are you still in Germany? I am still in Deutschland. <laughs> Are you ever coming home? <laughs> I'm coming home tomorrow, but we need to get this recorded so we can make sure it comes out on Saturday. So while I will be traveling over the next, you know, 24 to 48 hours, we'll be doing the editing and we'll get it out on Saturday for you chatters out there. But I am still in Germany. We just wrapped everything up. It was very successful training. It was, I learned a lot. And I hope the people that I was mentoring also learned a lot. And it's just been a blast. Thank you for your service. Oh, thank you. Everything you do to keep us safe. What about you? Um, What did I do? What did I do? I worked a lot and I really didn't do much. Let's see. Have you watched anything? No, but I, okay. I got, all right. You're going to you're gonna laugh at me. <laughs> I have been watching something, but it has nothing to do with murder mystery. <laughs> it's actually, it's on Netflix and it's called Have I Ever I or Have I Never. Never Have I Ever? Like the yes, game? Yes, that's it. Have I Ever. Yes. Okay. Is that a reality show? have I Ever. Is it a reality show? No, it's an adorable like uh, Netflix show it's three seasons and it's just a teenager type of show but it's based on this Indian American girl mm -hmm. and her family and how like the cultures clash and you know how she's trying to kind of find love and find you know what she wants to do and she has all this loss in her life and I I I don't know. There's something I love the actress. I think it's adorable and I just got hooked on that. So Well, yeah, I mean I we did. we need to take a mental break from all of the murder and mystery and mayhem that we get yeah. ourselves into. So mm -hmm. good for you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. Sometimes you just gotta put on the cartoons, you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> SpongeBob is my favorite. Oh, South Park is mine. Oh, well, okay, I mean, yeah. It's not really a <laughs> uh, uh, Well, yeah, but it's animated, right? I love Family Guy. <gasps> Did you realize how dirty I know. that show is? It's and it's on. Oh my, I just watched where Cesar Milan, the dog whisperer, yeah. was on there. Oh, yeah. Because they couldn't control Carmen. <laughs> you bring in the dog whisperer. It's probably one of the oh best my God. Uh, yeah, episodes I've ever seen. I, I, I'm going to have to watch that because that seems hilarious. Well, our crime chat today is a ch another chatter request. Sarah was our chatter request for uh -huh. the blood bathory that was last week. Yeah. And we have another chatter request. This one is from Stephanie. So shout out to Stephanie. We love you. Thank you, Stephanie. We love you. And Stephanie is a VIP chatter. And what that means is Stephanie has subscribed to our Patreon. And by doing so, she gets free merchandise, access to bonus uh -huh. material like pictures and references, a little bit of extra stuff, all the extras, all the bonus stuff. And if you guys are interested, you chatters out there, in becoming a VIP chatter, head over to our Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash crime chat and cat to subscribe for as little 
as a dollar a month. Yes, become yeah. a VIP chatter. You don't want to miss yeah. out. And there's so much stuff that's coming out. And we got so many things yes. like in the work. And we are going to be going through September. And then we are going to take a break because that is celebrating our first season. And we need to plan mm-hmm. and prepare to wow you chatters uh, in season two. So while that happens, we're going to be kind of re-releasing some of our favorite episodes, some of the most downloaded episodes mm-hmm. that we've had. Uh, and then we'll have all new stuff starting in the first of November so excited yes yes absolutely so we're gonna still we're, we're gonna still be working yeah oh yeah okay? we're working but for you <laughs> yeah so if you have any other stories you want to hear yes. let us know we will yes. prepare them and get them out for second season absolutely oh, season. oh my god season two can you believe it oh so I, you know something, season one went by like yeah. that, like a blur, because I think we were having so much fun. Yes. It's fun. It is fun. It is absolutely so much fun. And you have to have fun, and you have to have a, a certain sort of personality to dig into the deepest parts of these darkest souls that are out there, and also yes. the weirdest stuff that we've ever seen. And you got to stay tuned for the whole episode, because we're going to touch on sinful spirits at the end. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, uh huh. Okay. <laughs> so I know you said I don't know what story you're going over yeah. today. Like we like normal. We kind of just have a live interaction. I don't know what she cat goes over. She doesn't know what I go over. Yeah. But she did tell me to focus on mass murder. Yes. So I did do that. I found 11 common traits between mass murders and serial killers, which I Ooh. think kind of people get confused with. They do. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. And I can't wait to hear what you have to say. All right, so could your neighbor be a mass murderer, Kat? (laughs) We're really good friends with one of our neighbors. The family across the street is very quiet, stays to themselves. The one on Uh the other side of us, there's some weird things going on sometimes. So shady. I will say, maybe. Yeah. You know what? What do people say about serial killers when they're interviewing the neighbors? Oh, he was the nicest guy. He was always out. So Absolutely. It really doesn't. You know, a mass murderer could be one of your friends. They could actually be a serial killer. Nobody knows. I mean, you just wouldn't know. You wouldn't see that coming. Oh, worse yet, imagine raising a child who would later do something like this. Look, that's just so scary. Okay, that is my worst, my worst fear Mm -hmm. is something like that would happen. Yes. Yeah, it's just horrific. It's a horrifying thought, but the truth is, is that the violent crimes do come from somewhere. Um, yes. Many of them are living amongst us. Sorry, guys. There's serial killers, mass murderers, all this living amongst us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why it's very important for you to be self-aware. And if you see something, say something um, yes. and protect one another. Say something. Yes. Yes. But right now we're going to identify mass murderers and serial killers. Okay, and I'm going to show you 11 traits between the two. Some of them correlate. A lot of them don't. Okay, the FBI defines them differently in order to profile them, which is really interesting because I didn't know a couple of these things. Yes. So as it turns out, mass murderers, serial killers, and other extremely violent individuals do share a range of common traits. One, statistically speaking, the average serial killer is a white male from lower to middle class upbringing. In fact, 90% of serial killers are men. Yes, they are. So we may talk about evil crimes and dark minds, but we're not serial killers. No, we just obsess about it. (laughs) It's like the fantasy, (laughs) fantasy land. Yeah. (laughs) 
that I mean, it goes deeper than that. I, as you know, they can kind of pinpoint a little bit more detail when it comes to like the percentage of if they're educated, uh, what mm-hmm. kind of standing they have in the community. Like yep. they know all of this stuff. And we've talked uh, about it before how a lot of the most famous serial killers have had like an enormous IQ right have been I mean Ted Mm -hmm. Bundy he went to law school he was very smart he had a high IQ yep and he he was pretty to look at Mm. so (laughs) so two oh by the way how many have you ran into any more um celebrity lookalikes in Germany oh yeah Chris (laughs) Evans Captain America wait somebody somebody in Germany looks like Chris Evans yep yep they're everywhere like everywhere we go and there's a joke you know with a couple of us going oh look there's been <laughs> or there's Dave Franco, or I think last week I said oh James God. Franco, but he actually looks more like the brother Dave Franco. I don't think I know who Dave Franco is. He was in um, Twenty One Jump Street, Twenty Two Jump Street. He did. He was the one selling the drugs in the school. You ever see Twenty First Jump Street with no with Jonah Hill? No, I haven't. Okay, Mm-mm. I watched the original. With well, Johnny yeah, Depp. yeah, no, it was the remake, like the comedic remake of it. What else? He's okay. been in a couple other movies, but okay, all right, I'm jelly. All right, anyway, <laughs> continuing. Number two, most serial killers are in their 20s to 30s. Mm-hmm. Young males. Yeah. Three, most mass murderers are single or divorced. Interesting. Interesting. That is actually going to reign true for today's story. Yay! Okay. Yep. Yep. All right. Oh, okay. Number four, as children, soon-to-be serial killers often do torture animals, which breaks my heart. I hate this fact. That just drives me crazy. I just get, oh, oh, oh. Number five, more than 60% of serial killers wet their bed beyond the age of 12. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's. I mean that that's yeah yeah that is a, that is a common trait. Number six, according to A to Z encyclopedia of serial killers, which I've never heard of, I have to buy it. As I was gonna say, it sounds like another book I need. Yeah, I need <laughs> that book. Many serial killers are obsessed with starting fires. Otis Tool, George Ordano, Adorno. You know who that is, don't you? That is that the guy who was the uh, the shoe killer, George Adorno. I think he was the guy that was obsessed with feet. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was the. Well, you know the, yeah. the okay. last. The last three ones that you've mentioned is a pyro, a bedwetter, mm-hmm. and abusing animals is the three are the three trilogy key indicators of a serial killer. They are. Yeah. Wow. Chilly. I know it is chilly, but I mean, everything that every story we've gone over when it comes to these behaviors, they always have like a beginning. Like there's always a childhood trauma, mm-hmm. a history of yeah. childhood abuse. Yeah. But yeah, they have also a history of arson number seven many mass murderers and serial killers have an extraordinarily high iq we just talked about that yeah Uh uh-huh like the unabomber yeah we've never really spoken about mr ted we have to do it we that may be season two hey stay tuned chatters Mm -hmm. uh number eight a lot of serial killers come from dysfunctional families with absentee fathers yeah that's big well okay a lot of this is fitting into today's story so i'm so happy you're doing that good good because this you know what this was interesting there's a couple of other little facts that i'll get into later Mm -hmm. uh, after this because this is uh we're gonna move on there's only 11 facts that I pulled out I could have pulled out more but I'm like you know what I want to get to cat story I can't <laughs> 
Okay. Nine, many serial killers suffer through childhood abuse, like I said before. Yep. The Boston Strangler, Albert mm. DeSalvo, was even sold off as a slave by his alcoholic father. Mm. Interesting. Heartbreaking. No, it absolutely yeah. is heartbreaking. Number 10, serial killers often have a history of attempted suicide. Yes. So Charles Edmund Cullen, the most prolific serial killer in the history of New Jersey, had 20 suicide attempts throughout his life. So he was crying for help. I yeah. mean, wow. And I mean, at that point mm-hmm. in time when they feel like they've, they've done everything they can do to get help, maybe. I mean, and it's not a one, one a, you know, shoe size fits all kind of thing. Right, but right. they're, yeah, like you said, they're science. Yeah, and I love that. I think that's one of the things I love about John Douglas is that he's able to separate himself from not being angry at the subject. Like, because it's so easy to kind of get angry and be like, how could, you've hurt so many people. Yeah. But being being the success that he is and being the FBI profiler, he was able to kind of say, okay, let's take a step back and look at this person as an individual yes. and what and why and how. And he actually, did such a good job doing that. I did, I actually, I just made a comment to one of my colleagues here earlier today is it takes a special type of personality to be able to compartmentalize things. Because I was talking about yeah. the podcast and about some of the things that we talked about and some even as an investigator some of the things that I've seen and and having to go into a subject interview and empathize with the reasonings behind them so they feel comfortable enough to bring their barriers down and talk about it yeah yeah you got to make them feel safe you have to make them feel heard and that's hard to do if you're sitting there and judging them yeah it's very easy to judge them but when you want to learn about it's just oh yeah slippery slope oh my god and number 11, mass murderers are often loners and have very few social connections. 100%. Is, 100% yeah. today's story. Yep. So now it's important to note that there are some fine distinctions between serial killers and mass murderers. Yes. Mass murderers have just a single killing event in one location of multiple people. Mm-hmm. Now, the Arizona shooting and the Columbine killings, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. those are examples of mass shooters or the one in Las Vegas where, you know, one event takes out 20 people right. in one single, you know. And we often um, refer to those now as the active shooters, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. We just, yeah. there's too many happening. Uh, usually ending with either them being apprehended by police or committing suicide. Mm-hmm. And we just had that recently at yeah. the Capitol again, some active shooter. Yeah. Now, this gets confusing, okay, because yeah. do not confuse a mass murderer with a spree killer. Because yes. that's different, okay? Yes. A spree killer whose murders occur in these short spans of time, but usually are more than one location. Mm-hmm. So for a good example of this is the Washington Sniper, I where was he was in the car. The DC killer, Remember yeah. Remember that? The oh, DC killer. Yeah. And he was just going around the neighborhood. That's the story we need to cover too. Yeah. Because he would do a, lot of them. a couple in a day and then maybe take a day break and then do one and then another one the yeah. next day. It was, yeah. Very. That was a scary, scary time. I was going to say a very scary time. Yeah. And he he was shooting out of the trunk of his car. Oh my God. We definitely got to do this case. Yeah. So, you know, on the other hand, serial killers try to remain undetected and they mm-hmm. go on for years killing uh, with, with people saying yeah. that they were the best neighbor in the world and I don't understand yada, 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 yada. There's a big span um, of time for serial killers because it happens over a, a length of time, but there's a significant, what they call a cooling off period. Yes. So now also mass murderers kill a large group of people all at once, whereas serial killers are often more selective with their targets. Yeah. A serial killer could spend months trying to figure out the right individual to kill, 
and have a cooling off period be- yeah, yeah. between murders. And the victims often all share a trait or something that has an important symbolic meaning to the murderer. Mm-hmm. Now, according to Dr. Stone, professor of psychiatry at Columbia, mass murders are generally dissatisfied people who have poor social skills and few friends. Mm-hmm. Generally, the motives of mass murders are less obvious than those of serial killers. According okay. to Stone, 96.5% of mass murders are male. Most mm-hmm. of them are not clinically psychotic. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than being a psychopath like most serial killers, mass murderers tend to be paranoid individuals with acute behavioral and social disorders. Oh, that's interesting because we'll dive into the psyche yeah. of our mass murderer topic for today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, however, mass murderers are social misfits and loners who trigger by some uncomfortable events such as losing a job being left by a significant other political issues racism and other common motivations for for mass murders like this we see that a lot lately or anything that they feel that is a big crisis in their life and they they need to kind of go out and just seek vengeance in some in some way yes now these criminals often show drastic changes in behavior and express to those close to them usually their plans to kill and we've seen that a lot especially with social media right with with school shootings we'll see maybe a post or something that you know three weeks prior somebody said something or he bought you know what i'm yeah. saying like the, there usually is red flags there yes So now the study conducted by the FBI in 2018 stated that 77% of mass murderers plan their attack at least a week before they commit the crime. Mm -hmm. What differentiates the two is timing and numbers. So serial killers commit murder over a long period of time and often in different places while mass murderers kill within a single location and time frame. Yes. It's, it, you know, I think after like going through all that, I think that another mistake that the, that people make is identifying the difference between a psychopath and a sociopath. Yes. I think those things kind of just by, just the, the people just is just so easy to kind of coin, oh, you're a psychopath. Yeah. Oh, you're this, you're yeah. that. And, and that really, a lot of people don't understand. Like the true definition. Right. Like a lot of people don't understand, like the word narcissism gets thrown around so often mm-hmm. and people don't understand that there are degrees of narcissism. Right. And a lot of people don't understand that all psychopaths are narcissists, mm-hmm. have a narcissistic behavior. But all narcissists are not psychopaths. Yes. And then all sociopaths are not psychopaths mm-hmm. because there is a level, you know, it just, you, there's one key factor here. A psychopath is born. Sociopath is made. Mm. And between the two lies this narcissistic behavior to kind of take what you want and to feed your own ego. Because mm. a narcissist is one thing that is, it's almost like a person who can't self-regulate their own ego mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. So... Wow. Yeah, but we should do a crime chat about that too. Yeah. About those things. That's crazy. So that's my intro. Not that you you probably knew all of that already. Well, no. Because <laughs> of what you do. You have got more of the psych background, so it's like you have a lot of that other, those differences between it, but yeah. Was that a good intro for your story? A hundred percent. Yeah. Chatters, I saw Kat's teaser and that scared the crap out of me. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. Well, okay. So the story, so the deets for today's story, right? Have you ever ever heard of the Easter Sunday massacre and what happened in Ohio in the 1970s? I know it by name. Okay. I ha- I don't know the details. Well, we'll find out about it after a word from our sponsor. Now for a word from our sponsor. 
Today's segment has been sponsored by our friends at Fatal Beauty LLC, a vegan, cruelty-free, eco-friendly, women-owned, and Indian-inspired beauty line. They have all kinds of cosmetics and accessories, eyeshadows, lips, lashes, brushes, you name it, they have it. And they are absolutely committed to quality, which should never be a compromise. They are the only place you need to shop for great, fabulous, affordable makeup. And they have a variety of collections to include collabs with the amazing makeup artist Paul Dow. They also have a BFF collection, which is so fitting as this company was started by two besties who want you to feel like a queen. This BFF collection includes amazingly pigmented eyeshadow palettes, lashes, and lipsticks that are just gorgeous. But there's so much more to explore, and there is something literally for everyone. You can shop now at www.shopfatalbeauty.com using our code CRIMECHAT for a 20% off of your entire purchase. That's www.shopfatalbeauty.com to earn your discount today. Cat. <laughs> Like you have to stop doing that. Okay. okay. Like this okay. is why this is another reason why I drink. This is girl. why I drink. <laughs> Our folks over at This Is Why We Drink podcast, right? So okay, yeah. well, let, let me tell you about this psychopathic mass murderer. Okay. On March 30th, 1975, James Urban Rupert, a small statured 41-year-old man, murdered eleven members of his very own family in Hamilton, Ohio. He was tried twice, convicted of aggravated murder, diagnosed as a paranoid, psychotic, what, how, why would a middle-aged man obliterate his entire family? <sighs> Let's find out. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. I can't okay. wait. I've heard of this through name, but I don't know the deets, and I can't wait. I'm ready. Ugh. Okay, so James Urban Rupert was born March 29, 1934, to Charity and Leonard Rupert Sr. in Ohio. Leonard, the dad, was a farmer and raised chickens, but James continually had severe allergic reactions to the feathers and to the dust around, mm. which apparently ran rampant in his home, so he was, like, constantly sick. Oh. I know. Being sick, and un he was unable to play outside. He could not play sports. He couldn't participate in any other, like, physical activities. He couldn't attend gym while he was at school and would always walk around hunched over, like, as a physiological reaction to always being sick. Oh, I feel bad for him now. Now. But wait, now. there's more. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> James apparently had an extremely abusive upbringing as well. His father would tell him he would never amount to anything. And James had an older brother, Leonard Jr., and their mother told James that she wanted a daughter as the second child and not a son. Their father, Leonard Sr., died when the boys were 12 and 14 from tuberculosis. So you mentioned absent father, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but this wasn't any better for James once his abusive father had passed away because the mother, Charity, would lock him in a closet, would beat him, and tell him constantly that he was a mistake. Leonard Jr., the older brother, would soon also become the man of the house and constantly picked on James for being small and weak. Now, even as an adult, James was only five foot six and about 135 pounds, so he was a smaller statured man. Mm -hmm. The mother would also tell the older brother, Leonard Jr., to beat James whenever he wanted, oftentimes with a belt. And there were also recorded indications that Leonard Jr. sat on James's head until he just couldn't take it anymore. At the age of 16, 
James attempted to hang himself because of the constant abuse. He was not successful. He was also beaten for failing at that, too. Oh, my. So you mentioned also previous attempted suicides, right? Yeah. Yeah. So overall, James was a quiet man, modest bookworm, who used, who basically caused, like, no trouble for anybody. He would become envious of Leonard Jr., his older brother, his successful career, and his growing family. And by the age of 41, James was unmarried, single, unemployed, and still living at home with his mother and those are also some other traits that you mentioned uh-huh. to make things worse his brother married one of the very few girlfriends james ever had what wait yeah. a minute his brother married one of his girlfriends that would fuck you up yeah 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 and his so his mother charity was frustrated with james unemployment living in the house his alcoholism and threatened to kick james out on many occasions Like, basically, get your shit together. With what little money James managed to have, he invested it, but unfortunately lost it in the 73 and 74 stock market crash. Oh, poor baby. So he tried, yeah. But he couldn't hold a job. Like, he was constantly being fired because he was always sick all the time. Now, and after being beaten down for so many years, James bought a gun and began to go shooting as a hobby. He finally found something that he felt he was good at, and he began to collect guns. There was a lake that he would go out to and, like, shoot where there was no background and just practice shooting, like, cans and that kind of thing. And he actually felt like a man for the first time. This went on for about 10 years. But this uplift in his life, unfortunately, did not last, and he continued to be pushed to the point of no return. In February 1975, James inquired about purchasing a silencer from a gun store, the same gun store that he purchased many of his guns from. March 29th of 1975, James' 41st birthday, Charity, James' mother, told him if he didn't get a job, he was going to be kicked out that night on his birthday. What a bitch. Worried that he would have to find, yeah, <laughs> worried that he would have to find a place to live. He did what anybody else would do that had no job, no money, and no friends. What do you think that was? Drink? What we're doing? He went <laughs> He went to a bar. <laughs> yes. We don't mean he to got laugh, drunk. but. All right. <laughs> no, 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 no. He got drunk. Um, so while he was at his favorite bar, it was called the 19th Hole Cocktail Lounge, a waitress asked him why he was so upset, and James began to tell her of his pending eviction, about his mother's constant nagging to get a job. And at one point in time during the night, he left and told the waitress, her name is uh, Wanda Bishop, he had to go take care of his problems. When he returned about an hour later, the waitress asked if he had taken care of his problems, and he answered, quote, unquote, not yet. James reportedly stayed at the bar until about 2.30 in the morning, which I can imagine that's probably when it closed. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. The following day was Easter Sunday, March 30th, 1975, where a very depressed and hungover James slept in until about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Charity, mom, wasn't feeling well, so they had previously arranged for Leonard Jr., the brother, and his family to come over later in the day for Easter dinner. When James went downstairs after he woke up, Leonard, his wife, and their eight kids had arrived and greeted the mother on the front porch. I have a question. Is this yes. the same? His wife was his girlfriend? Yes. James's ex-girlfriend is his brother Leonard's wife, who had a very, you know, Leonard had a successful career and married James's ex-girlfriend, and they have eight kids. Yeah. So they greeted the mother on the front porch. The children, whose age range at this time was from four years old to 17 years old, they went, like, ran around the the yard. They were playing and fetching Easter eggs. It was Easter after all, right? 
Uh-huh. And then James and Leonard, the brothers, they stayed on the porch, chatted a bit about politics. And then Charity and Alma, that's Leonard's wife, went inside to make dinner. As you would do in the 70s, I suppose. You know, uh-huh. the women go in the kitchen and make the food. They made sloppy joes, by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as they all went inside to eat when it was time for dinner, James said he had an overwhelming feeling of depression. Like, it, he walked in and sees all these happy kids and everybody running. He, he just got, like, extremely depressed. Yeah. He decided to go upstairs grab his guns and head down back to the river to shoot for a while to just go blow off some steam and kind of feel a little bit better about himself. Now on his way out of the house, Leonard, the brother asked James, quote unquote, how's your Volkswagen, Jimmy? James snapped because he thought that Leonard had sabotaged his car or was picking on him or there was something that just made him tick, right? Right. Everything that James had kept inside for more than 40 years of his abused life finally erupted and a massacre would soon ensue. James first shot Leonard and then his wife Alma, who were both sitting at the kitchen table. In an attempt to stop James, Charity, his mom, tried to run at him. James shot her before she could do anything. And then he shot all of the children. All eight of them, one by one. Oh my god. Even stopping at one point to actually reload. Wow. Yeah. When I typed this, I t- kind of typed it very matter-of-factually, but I am actually now kind of a little overwhelmed right now <laughs> with, uh, with emotion. So oddly enough, none of the children appeared to try to escape or even hide for that matter. It was all done in five minutes. James killed 11 members of his very own family to ensure that they were all dead. He actually went back and shot all of them again. 10 of them were shot in the head. One of them was shot in the chest. Overall, he fired 35 rounds using four different weapons. All the weapons were recovered at the scene, and these were a 357 Magnum pistol, two 22 caliber handguns, and one 18-shot rifle. According to his testimony in court, James said he laid among the bodies in the home for hours contemplating suicide. Three hours later, he called police and reported a shooting. He stood in the doorway as the police arrived to find the bloodbath inside and described the scene as, quote-unquote, a slaughterhouse. Supposedly to this day, bloodstains can still be seen in the wood of the frame of the house. Five of the children were reportedly in the living room, while other three children were found in the kitchen by the bodies of their parents and their grandmother. Police were absolutely stunned, and initially James' motivations, his motivation was not of that that would give him any indication he would be a threat, right? He was a very quiet man. He stayed to himself. But within the next day, it was a media frenzy in the town of Hamilton. This Reporters from all over were covering this. I have some pictures actually from the crime scene and other media images that is going to be posted on the Patreon. Oh boy. Okay. Yeah. So you also mentioned the neighbors, right? Oh, they were such a nice boy, mm-hmm. right? So one neighbor commented that both James and Leonard were never allowed to actually be children because their father had died while they were young. And she actually describe both boys as very quite responsible and nice right of course James was arrested <laughs> he was said to be very uncooperative and did not answer any questions but made it very clear he ple- he planned to plead insanity prosecutors believe that James planned this in order to inherit the three hundred thousand dollars in life insurance policies because if he was convicted right he would not get the money but if he was confirmed to be insane then he would still get some of the savings. However, his defense went for the insanity plea, citing it was due to his abusive childhood, which caused him to turn into a paranoid psychotic. 
and his defense attorney argued that he belonged in a mental institution and not in a prison. So during James' first trial, it was held in the same town of Hamilton, Mm -hmm. uh, psychiatric experts testified for the defense that the unemployed man was a paranoid psychotic, like official diagnosis, who shot his family in a fit of uncontrollable rage. Regardless, James was found guilty on all 11 counts of murder and sentenced to life. But think of the time frame. Because of the United States Supreme Court decision in Furman versus Georgia, the United States suspended all capital punishments from 1972 to 1976, so James could not receive the death penalty because it was in 1975. Oh, okay. we talked. Mm. Yeah, we talked actually a little bit about this, if you remember, um, from Posthumous Pardons episode back yeah. in January. Previous to 1972, there was a lot of capital punishment. It was just going, 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 right? Mm-hmm. So we get into that. So you chatters out there, hop back to our episode in January. Mm-hmm. I think it was episode nine where we talk a little bit about that. Okay. So, however, James appealed to his original conviction, which resulted in a mistrial, and another trial would soon occur. And basically, they were saying insanity plea in his diagnosis should have been more included in the actual overall trial. And his attorneys, who pled that he was innocent by reason of insanity, were granted a change of venue as well because of the extensive publicity that was in Hamilton at the time. It it was a huge media frenzy. Like, it was all over the place. Mm -hmm. So the second trial was going to be held about 135 miles north of Hamilton in a town called Finley, Ohio. Despite the retrial, on July 23rd, 1982, so this is seven years later, James was convicted on two murder charges, one for his brother and one for his mother, and was sentenced to two life sentences back-to-back or consecutively, with the possibility of parole in 2025. He was found not guilty with the remaining nine charges of his sister-in-law and the nieces and nephews, that, like he was for the first trial. James was incarcerated at the Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Correction Facility, which was located in the Franklin Medical Center in Columbus, Ohio. Oh my God. I, <laughs> I'm just so disappointed right now. I how, how do you not get found guilty for, I don't understand how, how they work that. Uh. So I think because his brother and his mother were the ones that abused him for the longest. Yeah. That that was a I am going to kill you motive, right? That I think his sister-in-law, his brother's wife was and the children were just part of the situation. I I think that's what they determined during the second trial. Wow. Oh. They weren't yeah. So, but in June of 1995, so 20 years later after his first conviction, uh, he was up for parole. It was denied. He was up for parole again in 2005 and 2015, both also denied. It's like every 10 years you're up for parole again, right? Mm -hmm. The Allen Oakwood Correctional Institution Parole Board released a statement in April of 2015 saying, the board determined that the inmate is not suitable for release at this time. The inmate has not completed any recommended programming and does not appear to be willing to do so. The inmate's records note negative institutional conduct the inmate took lives of multiple victims and there has been strong community objections to his release the release of this inmate would not be in the best interest of justice good yeah james next parole hearing was scheduled for april of 2025 so in just a couple years however he did pass away in june of this year so just a couple months ago of natural causes at the age of 88 wow what a horrible okay i'm a little disappointed i mean he should be dead uh, he is dead, but I'm just saying we well, he is we, sh- we should have we should have killed we should he should have been up for. for it's just it's just ironic that the people who deserve that capital murder this is what happens and the people that were uh, wrongfully convicted of cap and got capital murder is what we went over in your episode. Well, and- 
I mean, and a, a lot has mm. to do with his upbringing. I mean, and you even said you feel bad for him. I mean, that was a horrible situation to go through. And whatever mental instability that had occurred in him essentially is what they're saying caused this. But does it always? No, it doesn't always. But uh, I don't know. It's hard. Yeah, I think I think that that has to do. I mean, I just think like you said choices you have to be responsible yeah. for your choices at 41 i'm even if he didn't seek treatment and treatment is very important but like even if he didn't he sh- he should have some type of like, killing eight children is just not no and the youngest one the four-year-old was actually but in I, i'm not showing any bodies okay they're the ones that i do how are, are covered bodies but there is a diagram and i did read a little bit in uh, one of the books that was written about this the four-year-old little boy didn't move he was actually found crouched near the couch covering his ears because of the gunshots and completely defenseless position i mean it is four mm. uh, you know yeah that just... are you ready for a sinful spirits twist yeah uh, this is a surprise okay <laughs> yeah i know it's a little surprise thrown at you so about a year after the incident, the contents of the Hamilton Murder House were sold off in auction. Hundreds of people put their bids in for a chance to own a little bit of the macabre mm-hmm. of this piece of history. Soon, all the items would be auctioned off, leaving a shell of a house behind. It was cleaned, recarpeted, and rented to a family. They had no idea what happened in the house and eventually left this home claiming they heard voices and other explained noises. Various families have been in and out of the home over the years, some citing eerie and strange things occurring, such as footsteps, door shutting, lights turning on and off. So in an article I found from 2018, the current occupier revealed that they have somebody like drive by the home or stop by um, like every day. Uh, uh, nearly on a daily basis Mm -hmm. because this is such an infamous house in Hamilton. Mm. She was about to close when she purchased the home. She was about to close on it in 2008. So at this point of the article, she's been in the home for 10 years. And friends and other people asked her, like, do you know what you're buying? Like, do you know why this house is so cheap? (laughs) At first, the the current, like the, the owner, the now owner, right? She didn't, she didn't know. She was not aware of what had happened. So she did some research. She Googled it like we all do and realized that this was the scene of the infamous Easter Sunday massacre. So instead of backing out of the purchase, she wanted to go and take another look. There was some work uh, in the closing that needed to be done in the basement to kind of help get it up to standards and everything for, for, for the purchase. So she said she wanted to go check on the work. And while she did, she was kind of investigating a little bit, uh, using it kind of as an excuse to go find some evidence that a mass murder had occurred. She didn't find anything. No odors, no bullet holes, no stains, mm-hmm. nothing. She said it was just like any other home with a history, saying, quote, this one just happened to have a history that everybody knew about, end quote. However, it wasn't until she moved in that she realized that there was actually evidence of bloodstained studs, like the studs in the wall in the floorboard, that are still visible. Oh, my God. 33 years when she purchased it, like after she moved in. Of course, it's been a lot longer than that now, but when she moved in. Basically, evidence that this carnage had actually occurred. And after finding this, she was quoted in the article saying, it's just proof that it happened. If I stop and think about it, sure, it's creepy and scary, but it doesn't make me feel any less safe being here. And she said that paranormal investigators have also tried to get into the home for years. And while she has contemplated this, she said it may anger any spirits if they are around. And she would be like, 
if they told her get out she's like i don't have anywhere to go <laughs> so if they were there they would have also had plenty of opportunity leading up into this time to let her know at some point that she wasn't welcome i so i'm assuming that this was maybe before the that it was written that that legally a realtor needs to disclose the history of a house yes okay because yeah that's yes. a pretty big yes. thing but there was a time there not that long ago where a realtor yeah. did not have to tell you anything yeah and, and this article actually covered quite a bit oh. into that i just didn't include it in here but yeah there was a lot that had to do where they didn't have to tell her at this time frame yeah oh my god okay in another twist oh okay <laughs> <laughs> but wait there's more edna algier i am not sure how to pronounce that name that edna algier is james's sister-in-law Alma, the one he killed, her mother. So his sister-in-law's mother. She lost her daughter and eight grandchildren, obviously extremely affected by this. In bereavement, she said, quote, I sometimes think I'd like to string him up on the cross like Christ and cut a little piece off of him at a time. I'd want him to bleed slowly. She said, but if you put that in the paper, people will wonder what kind of Catholic I am. You're a grieving parent. You're a grieving grandparent, grieving mother. There is a stage of anger there. It's okay. Yeah, but she blames James, obviously, for this, but then yeah. also for the death of her husband, who, on the third anniversary of the massacre, again, he lost his daughter and eight grandchildren. He shot himself in the head on Easter Sunday on the third anniversary. Oh, so she blames James for this, and then she also blames James for the death of a juror who, in the 1982 retrial, collapsed and died from a heart attack during the trial. I, I mean, she's not wrong. I'm just... <laughs> I know, she's not. <laughs> So Edna died at the age of 92 in 2004 while James was still incarcerated. Her obituary read, quote, survived by 16 grandchildren, 13 great-grandchildren, and preceded in death by eight grandchildren. The end. Oh, my God. <laughs> no more twists. I'm never going to look at Easter the same way ever again. <laughs> Oh my we should have done this at Easter time. Oh my God. <laughs> but, we, <laughs> this is, but we wanted to get Stephanie's story out there. So Stephanie, her, she is not from Hamilton. Uh -huh. But ironically enough, it's her, I think she said her brother, or maybe brother-in-law, works at a news station that covered the story of James when he died a couple months ago. Oh. oh. So that's why she brought it to our attention. Oh, that's cool. Okay. And you know what I yeah. was thinking? You know what would be really cool? Because all this, everything you're telling me is giving me ideas. Kat, what if yes. we go search for a murder house? Ooh. Buy it, because there, are, you know, Ooh. there's a, always a good deal there. And then oh yeah, super cheap. Create a bed and breakfast crime chat bed and breakfast. <laughs> Okay, hashtag copyright, hashtag LLC, hashtag don't steal our idea. Hashtag Natalie's going to be making breakfast. <laughs> Cat will be at the bar serving drinks. Mimosas. Mimosas. Bloody Marys. Yes, come on. <laughs> But yeah, so that's uh, so that is our story for today. And thank you, Stephanie, for this. It is so interesting. Thank you, Stephanie. So interesting. A lot of twists and turns. And I there's a lot more into it, of course. And as always, I will list my references and other research that you guys can do on your own on our Patreon. Yes, and because we don't want to leave you hanging chatters, for more information on this case, please check out After That Crime chat and don't forget to follow us on crime chat with nat and cat facebook instagram youtube twitter TikTok mm -hmm. to see what is coming up you're not going to want to miss it nope remember crime chat with nat and cat subscribe to our patreon you're going to get bonus episodes behind the scenes bloopers full-length episodes mm -hmm. of our shenanigans on the video on video 
<laughs> uh, but and also merch in the works and everything else we got in the works. So yeah. Yes, season two is right around the corner, Chatters, so you do not want to miss out. Mm-mm. You don't want to miss it. We'll see you on the next Crime Chat. Yes. And I'll be back home. Yes! Thank God! <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Bye!